My name is Buzz. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm not the boss, though. Like, that's still Pastor Larry. You're grateful for that, I'm sure. I'm grateful for that, absolutely, because I love working for Larry. Uh, somebody asked me one time, don't you want to be in charge? You know, is it hard to work for Larry? No, it's not hard at all. This is how it works. Larry tells me what to do. I do it. If it doesn't work, it's Larry's fault, right? It's <laughs> perfect. Most of the time what happens, he tells me what to do. I do it. It works. It's great, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm grateful to have a leader like Larry at Three Crosses. But the reason I kind of tell that joke is because I think that's a little window into what it's like to pattern our life after Jesus Christ. He tells us what to do. We do it. It works. It's great. I feel like I might have glossed over that. That's actually quite hard to do, isn't it? To listen to Jesus, to everything he wants us to do, to be perfect like he was, that's a tall order. We're going to get into that today a little bit. How can we listen and hear and be more like him? Perhaps a way to begin is to begin like uh, Sound of Music told us at the beginning, a very good place to start, right? If we can't do everything, maybe we can do the number one thing. That seems to make sense. So in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, somebody asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. The passage that Jesus is referring to here when he tells us to love the Lord your God is a passage called the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And that'll be our text here this morning. Now, I've been spending some time watching the World Cup of soccer. Are you guys watching the World Cup? Right. So I think I'm not watching enough. My family thinks maybe you're watching too much. I don't, you know, I are the beholder. But um, how do you know who's good in soccer? Let me tell you a secret. They have one name. That's how they're good. So have you heard of Pele? You know, this guy, greatest of all time in many people's estimation. What's his last name? You don't know. I don't know. He might not even know. Like, just one name. He's Pele, the greatest of all time. Right, do we have any fans of El Tri in here? El Tri Colores, the Mexican national team? Um, it's okay, you, you know, it's okay. Uh, their best player, uh, Chicharito. That's his nickname. If you speak Spanish, you know that that means the little P. How did he get that nickname? Why did he keep that nickname, you know? <laughs> My name is Buzz, who am I to judge? Anybody that keeps a weird nickname, but you know he's good because he has one name, right? And it's the same way when we look at the scripture passage. Anything that has a nickname, one name, greatest of all time, the Shema, right? So if this was the World Cup of the Bible, the Shema, people are buying the Shema jersey, right? People are, cover of the video game is the Shema. You know, he's on the Pepsi commercials. It's the greatest of all time. Jesus told us so. And that settles the debate. If you want to live like Jesus called you to live, this is where you go. This is what it is. So let's, let's read it. Let's see what it has to say for us. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. It'll be there in the Book Rack Bible just in front of you. It's in your Three Crosses app if you are an app user, and it's on the screen for your convenience. But the Scripture gives life. Let's lean into it together this morning. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. 
These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Here at Three Crosses, we think this passage is so foundational to understanding who God is and what he wants us to become that we're going to spend the next six weeks unpacking this. Each week, we're going to take one word from this prayer and dive deeply into it and see what it reveals to us about the character of God and his plan for us. And this week, we'll be talking about the very first word in this passage, that word hear or listen. Uh, the Bible, or that portion of the Bible, was originally written in the Hebrew language, and the Hebrew word for hear or listen is Shema, and that's why this passage takes its name from that. Hear, O Israel. Israel is God's people. So whether it was you 3,500 years ago listening to Moses right there in the flesh, or whether it's you here today, this word is for you. If you are God's people, this message is for us isn't that so cool that the Bible still speaks, that God still speaks to us, that he is alive and active and moving? But listening to him is a process. It's just not always that easy. At Three Crosses, we want to give you as many resources as possible to help you to do that. I know Pastor Mark talked about our purpose and process and connection and all sorts of stuff, and I don't mean to belabor this commercial, but I think that we have some things coming out that will help you over the next six weeks, and I'd love to just put them on your radar screen here this morning. And so we have our Three Crosses app. Have you guys heard of apps? They're going to be big. I'm telling you what, you know, you... You're going to love it. So one of the world's foremost hand models, Nick Favar, is right here holding our app. And so you can see what that looks like. And so if you touch the app, which is how apps work, it will open up and there's going to be a lot of things for you to access. And the top is our sermons. And so even right now you can open that up and there's a place in there for you to take notes or to make your own um, annotations or things you want to come back and pray about and think about. Because you know what? We don't spend enough time here to fully unpack. You've got to walk it out in your life. This app will help you to do that. There's a button there to help you connect with our church membership. Um, along the bottom, you can scroll to our sermons tab. You can listen to messages that you may have missed or uh, make your notes or anything like that. The next one, though, is a real, uh, or the next one is the connection tab. So if you're thinking, it's hard to follow God on my own, don't do it alone. You can't do it alone. Connect with somebody up here. We have uh, communities to belong to, small groups, midsize. Don't do it alone. You can't do it alone. Uh, the next tab is our media tab. This is like a superstar. Were you guys here on Father's Day when we uh, showed that video about the Baker family and how God had changed their life from brokenness to healing? I was crying. You were crying. You pretended that you weren't crying, but I saw your tears. You know, if you missed it, that's the kind of things you can access from our media tab. We also have a brand new podcast coming out. This is a big resource. We're going to be uh, dropping one episode every week for the next six weeks to give you a window behind a biblical study and the Shema to help you get some tools into your life to follow God for yourself. I love listening to podcasts. I don't know if you're a podcast person, but when you're mowing the yard or when you're doing dishes or when you're driving, you can actually be thinking about what it means to follow the Lord. Our Three Crosses podcast will help you to do that. Our last tab is the info tab. You can find things like a map of the facility. You can get our social media contacts. You can give if you want to even give to the Bangladesh pastors. You can do it that way. It's a tool right in your hands uh, that you can access. All right. The other subtler use of the app 
is you can pretend to be using the app very spiritual and you're in church and you're actually checking soccer scores, right? Maybe you're on your Facebook. I can't see what you're doing from up here, but God sees you guys. Don't do that. It's a tool and tools should be used for good. Okay, now I know that after that app commercial, you're going to want to furiously download that, you know. Uh, Don't delete any pictures of your kids to make space, but um, I'm going to sit down, take a break because I'm exhausted, and we're going to watch a video from the Bible Project unpacking this word Shema and what it means. It's about three minutes long, but it's going to give us a great visual about the, the richness of this Hebrew word, and then we'll come back up and unpack the scripture together. All right, enjoy this short video. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now the first word of the Shema is hear or listen, which in Hebrew is pronounced Shema. That's where the prayer gets its name. Now Shema is a really common word in the Hebrew Bible, and it's obvious why. Hearing is a very universal activity. It's usually connected with the ear, as in Proverbs chapter 20, ears that Shema and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Now that seems basic enough, but if you look at the other ways that Hebrew authors can use the word Shema, they use it to mean more than just let sound waves enter your ear. In Hebrew, Shema can also mean pay attention to or focus on. So when Leah, who wasn't loved by her husband Jacob, she has a son and she names him Simon, or in Hebrew, Shimon, because she says, the Lord has Shamad, that I am unloved. So Shema means to hear and to pay attention to and even more. It can also mean responding to what you hear. This is why so many of the cries for help in the book of Psalms begin with a call that God listen. Psalm 27 verse 7, Shema my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful, answer me. So asking God to Shema is at the same time asking God to act, to do something. It's similar to when God asks people to listen. Like when the people of Israel come to Mount Sinai, God says, if you Shema me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Now there's a couple interesting things about this verse in Exodus. In Hebrew, the word Shema is repeated twice in this sentence to give it emphasis. If you Shema Shema, meaning listen closely. But also notice that from God's point of view, listening is basically the same as keeping the covenant. So when God asks the people to Shema, what he means is that they listen and obey. And that's the last fascinating thing about Shema. In ancient Hebrew, there is no separate word for obey, meaning to carry out the wishes of someone who knows better than you or is in authority over you. So in the Bible, if you want to say, I will listen and do what you say, you use the single word Shema. In Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. This is why later in Israel's history, when the people were breaking their covenant promises to God, the Hebrew prophets would say things like, they have ears, but they're not listening. The Israelites, of course, could hear just fine, but they weren't actually listening or else they would act differently. And so in the end, listening in the Bible is about giving respect to the one speaking to you and doing what they say. Real listening takes effort and action. And that's the Hebrew word Shema. I love how these videos give us a a visual away from the printed page and help us kind of see and envision. I really like that one about Shema. It's not just sound waves in your ear, but there's some 
doing behind it. I watch a lot of videos. Probably you also watch too many videos. YouTube is pretty good at keeping you watching though, right? You know? Or Netflix, like, hey, are you going to watch the next episode? Like, you don't click on it and, like, admit you're going to watch the next episode. You just let it kind of go in there. Of course I'm going to watch it, Netflix. Like, let's keep it going, you know? But I'm trying to watch less TV. I'm trying to watch less YouTube. I'm trying to watch less soccer. Is that really true? I don't think so. Something I can't quit watching, though, is uh, superhero movies. This isn't essential. This is not optional. You got to watch them, right? Uh, I think, anyway. And so in college, we used to argue about, like, who would you want to be? Would you, what superpower would you want to have? You know, would you want to be Superman or would you want to be Batman? Probably the answer is Superman because he would win, right? But then people are like, but it's not fair. Batman just uses his mind. And I'm like, well, maybe I'd want to win, right? But you don't get to just pick to be Superman or Batman. We had to lower our standards. I wanted to look deep within and figure out, do I have any real superpowers, right? Do you know people with superpowers? Um, some people, I've found, they can actually like multiply and add in their brain without using their fingers or an abacus. It's amazing, right? Tip calculator, how much do we tip? Blow up and they spit it out, right? Sometimes you go, how much do we tip? Tip calculator, zero, right? Get rid of that friend. You don't want to tip zero. My wife, Tara, has convinced our kids that she has a superpower eyes in the back of her head. Right? They ran a series of experiments. You know, how many fingers am I holding up? What color ball? She passed them all. They're totally convinced. They can't even admit to themselves that it's real, but it's real. You guys want to hear about my personal superpower? It's big time. I can see in the dark. I know. It's great. So when I want to walk up at bedtime, I don't even turn the light on. I've been on those stairs a hundred times. I've, I know where they are. I can see my bed. I know where it is. I don't need any light at all. What I can't see, though, is the Legos my kids have strewn out. <laughs> That's like my kryptonite. I'm like a bat I can see in the dark. I know bats can't actually see in its sonar, but I also have bat-level hearing. So if I'm listening for something, I can hear it really well. So I actually like to watch the TV on lower volume, because if I'm paying attention, like, my life's pretty loud. We have four kids. I like to keep it a little bit more quiet. Or I grew up kind of in rural Kansas, and if you're listening for a wildlife, like a deer walking on dry leaves, you can actually hear it. It doesn't make very much noise, but you, if you're listening for it and you know what to listen for, you can hear it. This is my superpower, micro-hearing. But if I'm not listening for it, I can't hear it at all, at all. So here I am watching low-volume TV, and Tara says, hey, can you take out the trash? I don't hear that. It's not even there. It's not even that I hear it and ignore it. I just don't even hear it at all. This is my kryptonite, right? Listening to things when I want to be listening <laughs> to something else. And she's like, didn't you hear me? No, I didn't. I know better than to ignore, right? That's kid stuff. I'm grown. <laughs> uh, but we treat God the same way sometimes, don't we? We think, Surely, if a message was important, I don't need to focus and listen. God will interrupt me to tell me what he has to say. It's not really on me to hear. It's really on God to speak, in fact. So I'm just going to go about my daily life. And if something's important, God will interrupt me. And then he will let me know what I need to do. But I don't think that that is really how it works. In fact, number one, if you're following along, I think that prayer requires an attitude of listening. Prayer requires an attitude of listening. We blame God for not speaking to us and we don't have our ears open. I think God is speaking 
all the time. All the time. Can you listen to him? There's a lot of ways God speaks to us, but I think perhaps the primary way is right in the pages of your Bible, in the scripture. God's message has already been sent to you. Not in every detail, but do you listen? Do you hear? And do you change? Or do you expect that somehow God will interrupt you and supernaturally drop his voice into your life? That's not God's fault that you don't hear. You're not listening. You're not listening. How often do we wait to hear God's wisdom, yet we never spend any time hearing? But Deuteronomy 6 tells us, hear, listen, wait, attend. God is speaking. You know, tear through a little bit of a, of a birthday cookout for me yesterday. It's my birthday tomorrow. One more day of youth and I'm hanging on to it, right? So um, we didn't plan this, but there happened to be a Tom Petty tribute band playing in the park that day. I know, big time, right? They must have heard I was coming. And I kept listening to hear them because I thought, oh, I'm preaching on listening tomorrow and I can't wait to hear that Tom Petty classic, This Is Ground Control to Major Tom. They never played it. It's not a Tom Petty song, I found out. Who knew? I think it's David Bowie. But I like that song because it's like about an air traffic controller. My brother-in-law works as an air traffic controller and he radios to planes and he says, you've got to turn here, look out for traffic here, look out for weather here, change your altitude, descend, and he keeps them safe. If they listen to the air traffic controller, they're safe. Planes almost never crash, very safe. But what if the plane had its radio off and they weren't listening to the air traffic controller? They're still speaking. They're still sending that message up there. This is ground control. Change your altitude. But they're not listening. It's not the air traffic controller's fault. It's the pilot's fault. Turn your radio on. Let me ask you today, is your radio on to hear from God? Are your ears listening to what he has to say? Or are you too wrapped up in your busyness that his voice gets crowded out in what you do? I think the second thing I want to get into today is that listening requires a response. It's not enough to bend our ear to what the Lord has to say if we don't do anything about it. Just like our video shared that hearing connotes listening, truly perceiving it, and obeying. Sometimes life is complicated. I don't mean to minimize this or trivialize this. Sometimes you really don't know the right thing to do. But I think it's more often true that we do, in fact, know the right thing to do, and we're just not willing to do it. We pretend that we're seeking God for wisdom, or we might even pray about something, and you know what you should do, you just don't want to do it. <laughs> you pray that you might get a miracle and your circumstances might change. You know what you should do, you just don't want to pay the price. And you know, I think about physical fitness as an example of this, you know, like... Uh, What's the greatest commandment of physical fitness, right? Eat, write, and exercise on these two things. Hang all the law and the prophets, right? Um, how should I eat right? You know, should I do this diet or that diet or the other diet or the third diet or the fourth diet? How should I exercise? You know, what exercise plan, what gym, what trainer, what video? I'm not a trainer, so like grain of salt and all that, but like probably it doesn't matter if you just eat right and exercise something. You'd be on the way, Right? You know when you're eating right. You know when it's cake. Tomorrow's my birthday. I just said that. I'm going to eat some cake. 
it's not good for me, but it's so delicious, I'm going to eat it. But don't lie to myself and think, I'm eating right when I have this cake. I know, I know what's good for me, and I know what's not good for me. I just don't want to do it. I want to eat some cake. I certainly don't want to exercise. Running is so boring. You marathon people, what are you doing for those four hours? I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. I know that I should run. I'm just not going to do it. And then I'm not going to get fit, right? The epistle of James tells us about this in chapter 1. He compares somebody who knows what God has to say, who listens, and who should, know, who should really know better. He compares him to somebody who looks at his face in a mirror and then, after having looked at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. This is kind of an absurd thing that you would look at yourself and then you just, like, wouldn't change. And then I looked at my son, who's in elementary school, getting ready for school, right? And he would go and he would look in the mirror and his hair would be like a mess and he wouldn't have his teeth brushed and his like shirt would be all like button crooked and he might even have food on his face. Actually, the son I'm talking about is very clean, but that was more for hyperbole. And then he would go away and he wouldn't fix his hair and he wouldn't wipe his face and he wouldn't fix his shirt and he'd be like, all right, I'm ready for school. And like, you didn't really look in the mirror, did you? You didn't fix your hair. You didn't fix your shirt. You didn't actually change. We do that all the time when we look into the scriptures, don't we? It tells us who we are. It tells us how far short we fall of God's standard. And then we go away and we're like, it's fine. And your hair's messed up and you got food on your face, but whatever. I forget what I look like according to the standard that God has set down. But James tells us in verse 25, whoever looks intently into that perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what you've heard, but doing it, you will be blessed in what you do. There is some skin in the game in following Jesus. You don't just get to listen and things magically happen for you. You have to walk it out. Don't forget what God is telling you. You probably know it, at least the basics. Do what it says. I'm making it sound so easy, aren't I? Like, just do everything, just be perfect. Like, hello. <laughs> Ask your spouse if you're perfect, answer you're not, right? And we know this. We know this. In fact, this is part of the good news of the gospel, that you're not perfect. Legalism, which is the, kind of the idea that you can do enough good things to earn God's favor, or you can even earn God's blessing, or you can make yourself perfect by what you do, it's empty. Legalism looks into yourself, and it says, if you just work harder and work stronger and work smarter, everything will be okay. And it's completely backwards to what the gospel teaches. In fact, as we're trying to do what the word says, we need to look less at ourselves and more at God to have a Godward focus for what we do. Deuteronomy 6.4 tells us to hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. He is communicating to us his identity. We want to become like him. And that's our third point this morning, that as we respond to God, we can become like him. You know, I work with uh, some of the young people here at Three Crosses, people that are starting careers or maybe beginning families or trying to figure out how to make their way in the world. And uh, a lot of times people have advice. They, want, they have good questions like, how do I find a good spouse? Or what should I do for a career? How do I get into a good college? How do I manage my money well? Maybe you're uh, beyond young adult stage, but you want to know things like, how do I raise a teenager well? How do I transition into empty nesting? 
When's the right time to retire? You know, we always have questions about life and how to steward it well. And so I give some advice to the young people. I'm going to share it with you this morning. It may not be the kindest advice ever, so just prepare yourselves. Can he say that? Well, I don't know if I can or not, but we're going to go for it. I tell people, your friends are dumb. Don't listen to your friends. I told you it wasn't very kind, but I think it's true. If you just do what people exactly like you are doing, you will stay exactly as you are. You will not grow. So if I ask my friend who's just like me, what should I live like, and then I'm surprised that I don't change, you shouldn't be surprised. Don't ask your friend. Your friend's dumb, right? (sighs) But if you want to ask somebody like, how do I have a good marriage? Find somebody whose marriage you respect. Ask them, how do I have a good marriage? Then appropriate that advice into your life. You'll become like them and you will grow. Or how do I have financial freedom? Find somebody whose finances you respect. Ask them. Take their advice. It will go well with you. How do I improve my prayer life? Find somebody who has a dynamic relationship with the Lord who will show you. Appropriate their advice and you will change. Don't ask your friends. Don't ask yourself. Ask somebody who's smarter than you. And what's cool about patterning ourselves after Jesus is that we get to ask him what we should be like. If we want to be like him, if we want to have life transformation through following Jesus Christ, we should do what he says, right? And that as we do so, we will become more like he is. We won't earn points so that God won't be mad at us anymore. That's not what this is about. It's about changing ourselves into the character and nature of Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus tells us things like, here, O Israel, love your neighbor as yourself, like, man, that's tough. But if you can do it, you'll be more like Jesus. He might tell you, here, listen, my people, pray for the ones persecuting you. So when Pastor B takes a brick to the head and prays for those people, yeah, could you do that? Could I do that? I don't know. As he does that, he becomes more like Jesus in a way that I want to be like Jesus. Jesus who gave his life for his enemies. That's how we become like him, doing what he says, hear, O Israel, be like me. Do we do that? Do we pattern ourselves after him or do we say, price is too high? I don't want to do it. But there's some good news hiding at the end of this. I'm talking about living well and doing right and being perfect and it just feels unfair because you can't be perfect. You know that. You've experienced life. You make mistakes. You're not good enough. And that's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not good enough in yourself, but God loves you and he died for you and he's changing you. I used to kind of think that the gospel was that Jesus died for me and that he ascended into heaven. And one day at the end of my life, I get to go to heaven also, but kind of between now and then it's like you're on your own, right? You have the Bible, do what it says. It's like the rule book and people would throw it at you and it crushes you in a way because you can't do what it says. I've tried to make it seem so easy, like, you know what to do, just do it. Like, but it's hard to do it. We can't do it on our own. And I think that the, the fuller, more complete good news of the gospel is that, yes, we will get to be with God forever in heaven someday, but he is alive now and present with us now and changing us now. As the Apostle Paul put it in Galatians chapter 5, he says that we have been set free by the Spirit It means the Holy Spirit. We can keep in step with the Spirit. We can walk alongside a God who set us free, even right 
now. How do you live like Jesus? You can't do it. He will help you. That's good news. But to say something like lean into the Holy Spirit, give it up to God, let God work in you and through you, like sometimes this doesn't feel very practical. In fact, it reminded me a lot of when my dad tried to teach me how to play the drums. My dad was an amazing drummer. He played tenors in marching band and he was highly sought after. He was probably even good enough to be in that Tom Petty tribute band, you know, if he had been in the area. He was a legend, not even just in his own mind, a true legend in his day. And then I was like, I want to be like my dad. Can you buy me some drums? He said, yes, put him in the basement. All right, time to learn how to play the drums. I am going to teach you right now today how to play the drums. It's very easy. All you need to do is count to four. All right, you ready for this? I just told you, following God is easy. You already know how to do it. All we got to do to play the drums, count to four. Okay, so you know how to walk, right? So you got your leg. Your right leg sits on the bass drum, and you need to just count to four on the bass drum. One, two, three, four. Easy, right? Okay, but you have another foot, your left foot. Your left foot sits on the hi-hat. You got to count to four, but you don't count to four. You count to four, but you only count the four. So don't count the one or the two or the three, only count the four. Very simple, right? I told you this was not confusing at all. So you're counting to four on the bass drum, one, two, three, four, and then you only hit the hi-hat on the four. So you count to four, but you don't count one, two, or three. You only count four. All right, are you with me so far? Okay, now you got your left hand. Left hand is the snare drum hand, and the snare drum hits on two and four. So your right foot's counting to four, your left foot's counting to one, two, three, four, but not one, two, or three, just four. And now your left hand is counting one, but not one, and then two, and then three, but not three, and then four. All right, are you with me so far? Now you got your right hand. Your right hand is going to count to eight, but it's not going to count to eight. It's going to count to four with style, right? One and two and three and four and. All right, you drummers know what I'm talking about. So now you're counting to four, but double and with flair, but your right foot's doing it and your left foot's doing it and your left hand's doing it and don't rush and don't drag in my tempo. All right, this is very easy, right? Count to four. All you got to do, count to four. So I'd get out there and I'd try and then my dad would come down and he'd be like, Buzz, you are trying to count on the drum. You got to just feel it. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense, Dad. And he's like, well, that's what you got to do. And then he'd go upstairs, probably to find more earplugs. I don't really know what he was doing up there. <laughs> and I'm sitting there on the drums. I'm trying to play, trying to count to four, trying to count to eight, trying to count to two. And it's bad, you know, just flailing around. I know it was bad. My sisters especially told me it was bad. They were right. And then Dad comes back down. He's like, you're still trying to count. You've got to just feel it. And I was like, what does that mean? How does one feel it? Tell me the practical steps, you know. And it's kind of like, you know, you're sitting there, you're flailing around, counting eight, counting to four. It's like our life, you know. You're sitting there, you're flailing around, you're counting to four because you're trying to get your kids to school. You're counting to eight because you're trying to keep your finances right. You're trying to count to four with your left hand because you've got to pray, you've got to care for your spouse, but don't burn out. Take some time for me, get that self-care going on. And it's like, pastor guy shows up and he's like, hey man, just feel it with the spirit. And then he leaves. <laughs> That's not good enough. How do I do it? How do I walk it out? You're sitting there flailing around. You can't, you can't, you can't do it. <laughs> you can't do it. But a funny thing happened as I began to practice and learn and count and take those remedial baby steps. You do begin to feel it. And your hand remembers what to do. And you don't have to count to eight anymore. And your foot remembers what to do. And you don't have to count to four anymore. I never was a good drummer. I was a competent drummer. But I didn't have to count anymore. I could feel it. I feel like that's the process of following Jesus in our own life. You know what to do. You know to count to four. You know to count to eight. You know to count to two. You know to count to four, but not four, but just the three or whatever. And it's so stressful when somebody says, hey, man, just feel it. But the more you take those baby steps and the more you pattern yourself after Jesus and the more you do what you can do that's right, 
the more you pattern yourself after Christ and the more you lean into the Holy Spirit, he will change you. I promise you he will. One day you'll look back and you'll be like, you know what, I can feel it. A funny thing about feeling the drums, though, is you're not playing different notes. You're still doing the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You just do it naturally. It's not a different set of standards. It's just easier to do because the rhythm's in you, not just in your brain. When we think about following Jesus is this list of do's and don'ts, and I've got to do this, do pray, don't lie. Or like, do care for your kids, like don't be mean to your spouse. Like just so many like do's and don'ts, and it's so stressful. When you're feeling it, walking in the spirit, you do all those things. It's not a different set of standards. It's just that the spirit in you is helping you walk those out. You don't have to do it in your head. You don't have to do it on your own strength. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that he changes you into his own image by his grace, not by your works. That's good news. We can feel it. We can keep in step with the spirit as we go. I know it doesn't make any sense, but I promise you as you take baby steps to keep in step with him, he will help you and you will get better. And one day you'll say, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. I obey him. I'm becoming like him. I'm listening to him. I'm a new creation. Old is gone. New has come. And that's beautiful. That's what we mean at Three Crosses when we talk about life transformation through following Jesus Christ. Not a ticket to wealth or success or happiness or wisdom or a perfect family. But to have a life that follows Jesus come what may. Do you want it today? Do you want to be like him? Do you want what he's offering you? I do. So maybe you came in here today and you thought, I need some wisdom. I need to find some answers to my questions. Can we listen to God together today? Some of us came in here and we knew the answer to our questions and we were unwilling to walk them out. Can we listen and change today? Some of us come in and we're so rigid with our legalism and our stress and we haven't asked God for his empowerment. Can we ask him for that today? So often I feel like at church we preach, we teach, and then I tell you, to leave and go do it later. (laughs) But if you'd be willing to indulge me this morning, I would love to ask God for just two minutes, two minutes of silence for those answers to those questions that we have, for wisdom, for empowerment, for courage, for whatever we need. Will you lean into him, attend to him with me this morning for just two minutes of silence? Can we pray together? Let's go to him.